When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 20th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs head into their month-long break in the best possible way with a ring ceremony last week. Did you see those things? Massive, gaudy, just the way championship rings should look. On today's episode, beat writer Jesse Newell gives you his jewelry review. Nah, not really. We spend most of the time discussing the team's most pressing matter, the Chris Jones contract situation. Jones wants to stay with the Chiefs, he says, and the Chiefs clearly want one of, if not the best defensive tackle in the NFL. But what's it going to take to make both sides happy? You'll also hear what Brett Veach had to say when asked about it before the ring ceremony. We also discussed if there's any real competition for the starting two positions. Okay, let's get started. Jesse, we haven't talked since the ring ceremony uh, last Thursday at Union Station. Uh, actually, we talked after that, but haven't seen you since that day. Just wonder if there are any lingering impressions from the ceremony, which I, I thought from a you know from a media working standpoint, kind of came off pretty well. Actually, we, we got to talk to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Clark Hunt and Brett Veach, and we'll actually hear a little bit from Brett Veach later as it regards to Chris Jones, but and Andy Reid as well. So. You know, and all, all in all, it was a pretty productive day, and everybody looked good. Yeah, that was the most important part is, uh, you know, a lot of people rolling up in very uh, cool cars, rolling out in very cool uh, tuxedos. I'm sure a lot of work went into thinking head-to-toe the looks that were coming out there, whether it was Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, or, you know, even some of the dates that were there with the coaches and players. So uh, very cool to see that. They had the red carpet out in front of Union Station and more like a red huge rug because it was kind of extended as they went on. But uh, as you would expect, most people in really good moods. It was a really nice night at Union Station, which made it better so that people weren't walking in the rain or anything. And uh, I, I think Sam McDowell asked a lot of the players this and coaches this, but it is one last hurrah. You know, after this, you get the month off and then training camp starts. So this is sort of uh, ends a last few weeks where the Chiefs really were celebrating a lot. You know, they went to the White House, they get their rings, they have the celebration, they have the people come back to town. And now it's business uh, to get to next season and to try to repeat and all those things. So a one final Yes, final thing to to look at and uh, and to celebrate, and that's what the Chiefs did. And I, like you said, Blair, I think it was a, a pretty cool night, and you could tell the guys were enthused to be there. Yeah, um, it was good to see some old friends too, players like Juan Thornhill and Andrew Wiley and uh, Carlos Dunlap, uh, even assistant coach Eric Bieniemy. They've all gone to different NFL teams, but they came back for this. That was great to see. So I went back. Just this morning, Jesse, to to read some of the coverage of the occasion. And do you know, uh, well, there were two two figures at the the ring ceremony that seemed to garner the most attention. 
One was Patrick Mahomes because of his tweet during the ring ceremony that was intended for Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase. We can talk about that. But the other person who got a lot of attention from this was Gracie Hunt. Um, She was covered extensively by Women's Wear Daily, by TMZ because of her gown. And I just uh, – anywhere that I seem to be where Gracie Hunt is – she, the daughter, of course, of of, of Clark and, and Tavia Hunt, she is um, she get she gets quite the attention. So Gracie Hunt, um, always always dressing to the max, and uh, and like I said, uh, big spread in in women's wear daily. If you're interested in that, so uh, why don't you you can access that one, Jesse? When you're on vacation next week. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I, it is. Interesting, but because I, I don't think it really hit me until I was there, but I kind of stepped back to take a photo. And this is just not an opportunity that Kansas City gets that often. You know what I mean? Like, you think you're red carpet, you think Hollywood, you think, um, you know, places that really aren't here. But you, you kind of had like the sun setting in the background. You got Union Station really dressed up. You got the Super Bowl trophy. You got these people, you know, dressed up and, and kind of. Like I said, the cars were coming in line to drop off sort of a valet with the people in there. And and it really, I look back at the photo, I was like, man, that this is like pretty cool. This is something that Kansas City really doesn't get to host that often. And you talk about Gracie Hunt, you know, to, to really show off and, and have these sorts of red carpet photos that are going to be out there and online. So not only opportunity for, for her, but obviously opportunity for the players and the players' wives, the players' dates. I saw some moms out there with the players too. So that was pretty cool. And, and kind of uh, seeing how they would sort of have this sort of event if it was in LA and Kansas city, I thought and union station put on a pretty good show for that. And to have these sorts of things that really don't happen in this area that often. So uh, pretty cool to see for all those people taking advantage. No doubt about it. Uh, it w- was a cool night. The public wasn't invited. There were some onlookers that were behind the fenced area on Pershing road, but uh, nobody, uh, this was a, Media not invited inside the uh, the Union Station for the actual ring ceremony. What what'd you think of the ring itself? <laughs> uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, I, the story I wrote, Blair, was about how Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey actually had some in, input into this right, ring. They were right. brought in with Mark Donovan, the team president, to sort of ask, do you like this diamond or that diamond? Do you like this design or that design? And, you know, Patrick Mahomes always says the perfect things, it seems like, at the at the podium and uh, at the microphone, but it was interesting to your follow-up Blair, because he was wearing a Super Bowl 54 ring. And he said something to the effect of like, I love this ring. This ring is great. But we also sort of learned from this last one. And so I think they were very excited to see 57 and the removable top. Uh, there's so many, there's so much symbolism in this particular ring, whether it's the diamonds or how many there are, or the quote from, uh, Lamar Hunt on there uh, around the circle saying Arrowhead is his favorite place in the world. So uh, a lot of symbolism, even going down to like, if you've won one Super Bowl with the Chiefs, there's one Lombardi trophy on the inside. If you've won two, you get two of them. Uh, so even that level of detail. And yeah, I, I don't know. You can tell me if I'm taking this a bridge too far, Blair. I don't, I don't know that these are correlated, but it's interesting to me that in an off season after we had the NFLPA report come out and sort of the chiefs not falling in line with how we would expect for such a successful organization. This ring is out of this world. I mean, this ring is above and beyond and the ring box that they opened up had like an led movie player with it. Um, This was extravagant to the extravagant to the extravagant. And I just sort of wonder if 
I'm not saying it's a mea culpa, but I, I do wonder if this is an indication for Clark Hunt to sort of go out there and say, hey, look, whatever was in that report, the Chiefs are going to do what they need to do to spend money. And that has not always sort of been the reputation around them. But it did sort of hit me in this moment that this is probably the most extravagant ring I've ever seen from a championship team. And they'd set a new bar, it seems to me, when it comes to team championships and getting those uh, on the fingers of their players. So uh, I'm not sure those two are correlated. I'm not sure they two, two go together. But it is sort of interesting to me that after some of the, the offseason press that's happened, that the Chiefs went above and beyond and then above and beyond with their rings. And also sort of interestingly asked Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, two of the guys most involved with that, how they like their rings. So I think most people were pleased with that. You could tell from some of the online videos and photos. I like that thought. Uh, it's it's a, it, I think it's a, a an apt connection between the, the bad publicity that the Chiefs received uh, with spending money on, I don't know what the biggest complaints were with the, with the players association. Was it the, uh, 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 the healthcare, uh, training yeah, trainers, uh, to have the truth with trainers, chairs in the locker room, overall locker room at yeah. the practice facility. Um, uh, you know, a lot of different things to go into that, but, uh, some things that seem like could be pretty simple fixes. And I mean, I, our Sam McDowell wrote about this after the draft, after Clark Hunt talked as well, it's sort of like, uh, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. If, if you're interested and serious about these things. And, uh, again, this doesn't, this isn't a chair in the locker room, but, uh, it does sort of go to indicate that no expense was spared to make these rings and make all these players happy and put them in a position where they potentially will go out to their buddies, their uh, former teammates, people they know in the league and say, hey, we were really taken care of when it came to these rings. Yeah, and I, I did ask Clark Hunt uh, at the at the ceremony how many rings and pendants were being distributed. And he, I think he said something like 700 or up to 700 or that's um, that's, you know, I, I don't know what the how many people the chiefs employ, but that just struck me as a high number, 700 going uh, either rings or pendants to employees. If they're getting good publicity off this, they earned it. Yeah. That's the bottom line with it. You know, you don't have to spend the the extravagant money to be able to do this. And it sure seems like the Hunt family uh, stepped up in this case and definitely made their players happy and their personnel and their employees. Like you said, if there's that many rings going out there, then they're treating their people right. Okay. Like I said, we had an opportunity to speak with um, Andy Reid and, and, uh, and Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Clark Hunt, and also Brett Veach. And Jesse, let's hear what Brett Veach had to say about the Chris Jones contract situation. Um, this is about a, about 40 seconds worth of Veach, and you will hear uh, Todd Lebo from uh, Sports Radio 810 here in Kansas City, WHB, ask a question, a follow-up question to Brett Veach. So here, here's Brett Veach on Chris Jones. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in constant communication. I'd be shocked if Chris isn't here. I mean, this is his type of party right here. So, um, but we have great communication. And look, there's a lot of time before camp. So, um, feel good about, you know, where we're going to be with, with Chris. And, and um, we'll get to celebrate tonight and have a good time. And then, um, you know, break tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll have great dialogues now to start training camp. And look forward to Chris being here and, and, and not just for next year, but for a long time. Do you have a timeline in your head where you feel comfortable getting stuff done? No, not really. I mean, we have. I mean, listen, we have a long history together, and, and um, we have a great relationship with his with his agent. So, um, I mean, these things usually get worked out right before, right during um, the first start of camp. So, um, we anticipate the same, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, so that was Chief General Manager Brett Veach. Jesse sounded pretty optimistic that some kind of deal was going to get done with with Chris Jones. <laughs> And earlier in the day, uh, Andy Reid also sounded an optimistic note about the Chris Jones situation. He did not uh, 
uh, participate in minicamp or OTAs. So uh, I guess technically, he's, uh, do you call it a holdout? I don't know. If he doesn't come to training camp, then it's a holdout. But uh, uh, just wasn't there. This repeats the uh, the action of of 2019 when he was uh, angling for his first contract extension. So should Brett Veach and Andy Reid feel optimistic? Let's talk about the Chris Jones situation, where things stand going into the offseason. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Andy Reid and Brad Veach both make the point of the constant communication uh, where these things really break down is if the two sides aren't talking. And it sure seems like both sides are talking in this one. Just to clear something up, too, we did not see Chris Jones on the red carpet that night. He's later clarified on social media that, or said on social media to somebody who asked him that to said he was sick that night. So, again, at least an explanation straight from Chris Jones, because. Uh, when Brett Beach was asked about, hey, uh, would you expect Chris Jones here at the ring ceremony? He goes, well, this is his kind of party. Why would he not be right. here? You heard and then that. I think all of us were a little bit surprised because we're like, well, we don't see Chris Jones rolling up on the red carpet. Now, it didn't mean that he couldn't get in the back way. But again, to clarify, he said he was sick, so he didn't make it that night. Uh, we'll see how things play out. But this just, you know, this plays a little bit different than the Tyree Kill situation, just because if the Chiefs did want to trade him uh, and get max value for him, they sort of you know, are a little bit late because when the Chiefs trade Tyree Kill in March, they were able to get draft picks for April. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, the Chiefs are in win now mode. So it's too late now to go back and get draft picks for 2023. So it seems to me like both sides want to get this done. Chris Jones is still young enough in his late 20s to be able to warrant, you know, an extension. And the Chiefs still feel pretty good probably about him being productive the next uh, three years, two to three years at least before, you know, a potential fourth year could be something that uh, they have to live through. but. Um, it's something to watch. It's something to monitor. You talked about the mandatory mini camp, uh, looked it up in the NFLPA guide and uh, the CBA. And basically he about almost the max is about a hundred thousand dollars in fines to be able to miss uh, those three days. So that's not nothing. It's definitely not nothing to me or you Blair, but uh, maybe a little bit less to Chris Jones, who's expecting to get a contract done with somebody this off season. So I would still think the chiefs get it done. I would think probably for Chris Jones side, there's less motivation to do it right away. Then on the Chiefs side, the Chiefs could clear up some cap room and kind of have some things solved if they got this taken care of now. But for Chris Jones, the big one is Quinnen Williams uh, out with the Jets, who's expected to sign before uh, the training camp starts for the Jets. So it, it's kind of this weird bubble right now, because if you look at the defensive line and the top paid ones, uh, there's 23 million, which is kind of the second place. And there's Aaron Donald at 31 million. So you sort of figure that Chris Jones should be somewhere between those two. But how far between those two, it's a little bit of a game of chicken, I think. If Quinnen Williams goes first and gets 25 or 26, obviously Chris Jones is going to top that. Uh, the other part of that is if Quinnen Williams waits and Chris Jones gets 28, then maybe the Quinnen Williams side will say, hey, well, he deserves more than that. So it is sort of one of those games where they're trying to figure out where these two guys are slotted when it comes to money. So my take on it would be that Chris Jones side would be way more patient than the Chiefs would be in this, and it takes two to tango. Um, so for right now, I think the Chiefs would love to pursue it, would love to get it done at the number they want. Uh, but Chris Jones decides probably waiting to get a little bit more leverage. And they have really no motivation to be able to stick this thing out and do it really quickly uh, when they don't have to and can see how this Quinn Williams situation plays out. So something to monitor, something to watch. We'll see if he shows up at training camp again three years ago. Chris Jones missed mandatory mini camp, but then he showed up to training camp. They ended up getting an extension done on the last day that they could get it done that year. We'll see if it follows in line uh, the same way this year, but uh, definitely something to monitor, something to watch when it comes to training camp, a little bit like the Orlando Brown situation last year. Yeah, so you referenced the the, the situation three years ago. That was uh, Jones 
at the end of his rookie deal, which is where Quinton Williams is now with the Jets. Um, and and so Jones came in without the contract. He and Tyreek Hill came in together. Tyreek Hill uh, was having – he had the off-field issues. Um, and then – but uh, it was a big celebration when, when Hill and Jones came to training camp in St. Joe that year. Um, Jones ended up signing in, in – uh, it was in July of 2020 – the, the current deal that he has now, four years guaranteed, $60 million guaranteed, 80 to $85 million. Uh, I've seen both uh, figures. But he's a $28 million cap hit against the, the, the Chiefs this year. Um, if he hadn't signed uh, when he did, the, the Chiefs would have probably franchise tagged him uh, then. And that remains an option for, uh, for, for Jones down the road, right? He's under contract for 2023, but – a franchise tag is not out of the question. I hope it doesn't come to that for the Chiefs. I don't, you know, it, it's a lot of money, but, uh, you know, the, the comment that a franchise tag makes to a player like Chris Jones, I think is, um, uh, you know, it, it suggests maybe that, uh, that they don't they don't think enough of them to give them the, 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 the Aaron Donald, you know, just slot under Aaron Donald type of money. Yeah, and at this point, I mean, I think you are looking at extension or, <laughs> I mean, if we've learned anything about the Chiefs the last two years, they sort of have a number and stick to it. And that's really, they've been very unemotional about a lot of this. And you think especially the Tyreek Hill trade where you have to be completely unemotional about doing something like that when you just figure the guy's market goes above what you can pay. And the Chiefs got a King's Ransom for it. They won the Super Bowl the next year and they were able to work around that. Now, Chris Jones, we can... Definitely talk about how this defense would be altered if they decide to trade him because he really is the centerpiece and he's one guy that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes cannot save on the defense. He's sort of doing that on his own and lifting all tides by, by doing what he does in the middle. But again, I mean, if 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 this if Chris Jones and his agency thinks that he should be paid above Aaron Donald, let's say that's the number they like, I don't know that the Chiefs will do that because what they've sort of done here in the last couple of years is reset their books and said, Hey, the, the person that's most important here is Patrick Mahomes and you're not going to overspend for other people. And if that means trading resources, trading popular players, trading guys, you think you can't live without, they've shown that they have done that and succeeded without that. So that's the thing. I mean, Chris Jones would bring a King's ransom in trade. You would think right now, because some team would take him on his last year and then they would sign him a long-term contract and he could be the anchor for another team out there that has their cap situation in a different place than the Chiefs have theirs. So um, it's something to watch, but, you know, we've seen the other indications out there. Chris Jones has tweeted out he wants to be a Chief for life. We talked about Brett Veach. I mean, his quote we just heard earlier talking about how he thinks that Chris Jones, they look forward to having Chris Jones not only this year, but for many years in the future. I just don't think you have that language if the, the talks are completely breaking down and both sides don't believe that something is going to get done in the end. So I would lean toward that way. I still think something's going to get done in the end, something long-term this offseason. But as it plays out, it plays out. And so until it does happen, it will remain a storyline here, especially over the next month. Yeah, for sure. I, but I also agree that I, I think when it's all said and done, Chris Jones will be a chief and will will sign a deal. He'll be a chief for at least what, three or four more years um, after, after uh, he, he gets a deal signed. Jesse, I also wanted to ask you, uh, going with the Chiefs going into the downtime, basically the one-month downtime before training camp begins, um, in, uh, in in third week of fourth week of July, um, are there any positions 
Uh, any starting positions on the 22 that are unsettled right now? Hmm, good question. Um, I think all eyes obviously are going to be on the receivers. That's not a that's not a secret. That's not a surprise. But how that shuffles? I mean, I think we probably figure we know the top six guys, but right? You, you know, um, do they keep seven? Does a seventh guy sneak on the roster? Uh, is there a surprise cut? Like there was a year ago uh, with those guys and and kind of making sneaky roster moves to get to the 53 and then signing guys to the practice squad and bringing them back, those sorts of things. Um, that'll be one to track. I'm fascinated with the secondary too, just because Chiefs, even after taking Joshua Williams and Trent McDuffie and Jalen Watson last year and having those guys help them win the Super Bowl, they went out and got a couple more guys and Shamari Connor uh, and then Nick Jones in the seventh round. So, I don't know. I mean, I think they're just throwing bodies at that position saying, good luck, guys. Go out there and compete and see what happens. We saw a lot of Shamari Connor in uh, mandatory mini camp uh, out there with the ones. Uh, some of that, a lot of that was injury because like Jerry Sneed was sitting out. Um, also, Trent McDuffie was sitting out. So they need to have a healthy roster to get a full view of exactly, you know, who is out there at, at the right times. But uh, they really are throwing numbers at the secondary position. So I think those two positions in particular would be the ones it'd be hardest to predict right now to say, I know exactly one through six, one through seven, one through eight, uh, how those are going to line up. But you bring up a good point. I mean, this is sort of how you want it to be, right? You don't want to go into a training camp like, who is the left tackle going to be? <laughs> you know, like that's a, that's a bad situation you, you that you could have if you're a, a Super Bowl contender. And they don't really have that at most of these positions. You figure you kind of know what you got when you got quarterback, running back for the most part, uh, offensive line. A defensive line other than the Chris Jones thing that's still up in the air linebacker we know about so for the most part a lot of it is solidified with the Chiefs and that's what you expect from a Super Bowl contender and also one that has a lot of pieces back from a year ago when they got younger but also were able to win a championship at the same time yeah listen I can remember the the earliest years of Andy Reid which were successful years mostly in the playoffs right they only missed the one in his second year that you did go into training camp um thinking, you know, not only are there position battles, but they're going to have to get somebody to play that position. Uh, um, that's not taken care of yet. That's still a big hole for the Chiefs. There's nothing like that with this team. And you wouldn't, you know, with it, that's what happens when you when you build your franchise into a you know, an annual Super Bowl contender. You, you know, we often talk about who's, you know, who's in the rotation now, who's going to be the, the, the fifth, sixth wide receiver, who's going to, you know, who, who are, you know, who, who are the corners that are going to, you know, that are going to be part of the rotation? Who's going to be on special teams, right? I mean, that's that's where the Chiefs are. And it's a great place to be. Um, but there are some, there will be some players that'll be fun to watch at training camp just because we'll be seeing them for the first time in Chiefs uniforms. And I'm not just talking about the rookies like Felix Anudike Uzama um, and, and Rasheed Rice, but People like uh, you know Drew Tranquil, the linebacker, and um, Charles Amenahu, the, the the defensive end. I think I think he starts right now. If if the Chiefs had to put a starting lineup out there, um, you know I, I don't know. Um, the, the training camp's going to kind of sort out what happens well at every position, but certainly along the defensive line. But you know I think those are guys that you know that, that are going to get some you know hard looks at, at potentially being starters and. Um, and yeah, and Kadarius Tony, another one. You mentioned the wide receivers. I think Tony, MVS, you know, Marquez, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore would be your top three. But 
Rice and Richie James, Justin Watson, uh, and other candidates uh, for wide receiver, especially since, and you've, you've written about this, um, if you look at the Chiefs' depth chart these days, you don't see a fullback. So that's that's an offensive position that uh, that has become open for the Chiefs. But it seems like Andy Reid is set on keeping four tight ends and um, uh, and, and, and having t- tight end do the the duties of a fullback. So just you know just some of my thoughts on on, on what to look forward to as training camp approaches and um, and the two offensive tackles as well, right? I mean they're gonna you know, we've got to see what happens uh, at, at those slots as well. I mean we know who the starters are. We just haven't seen them work with this Chiefs offense. Yeah, and Wanye Morris could be a swing tackle for them. He's been sort of rotating around left tackle, right tackle um, to see kind of if he wins that. Another one to keep an eye on is Darian Kennard. He obviously did not play at all for the Chiefs last year. Um, this is probably a, a prove-it year for him with some of the other offensive line depth that they have, whether he makes the roster or not. And, you know, we were remiss if we didn't talk about just some of the general observations of mandatory minicamp and OTAs. Uh, I know Fahey Gregorian wrote a great piece about this last week, but Sky Moore was one of the standouts. Yeah. Uh, he really has emerged. He's been out there. Uh, really a nice connection with Mahomes. There was one very interesting, like two plays in a row that uh, the first route he didn't run right. And Mahomes was really getting after him. Hey, you got to run this route on this sort of thing. The very next play he ran, it was kind of like a slant out and back in again. And Mahomes just hit him in stride. And you could see uh, Mahomes for a touchdown uh, about 25 yards down the field. Mahomes goes nice route two four, gave him a big thumbs up uh, from down the field. And he's been the one that's emerged. Uh, this offseason for again, all no pads, overreaction theater. But um, I would say he's been one of the most impressive, along with Daenerys Prince, who is their kick returner, has been catching everything out of the backfield and is huge. Uh, kind of looks a ca- carbon copy of Isaiah Pacheco and or uh, Niall Davis, if you want to go down the Dave Tobe route. The special teams coordinator for the Chiefs has been saying that, you know, he looks exactly like Niall Davis. But he looks like, I mean, I don't want to say a lock to make the roster, but as close as you can get to a lock uh, with the undrafted free agent out of Tulsa. So those two have looked good uh, this training camp. And one to watch will definitely be Rasheed Rice. He seemed a little bit behind early on, and that sometimes happens with Andy Reid, Chiefs receivers. And so Andy Reid has mentioned how he needs to get in shape. We still saw that a little bit in mandatory minicamp. Can he catch up and be that juju-type role for the Chiefs, or is that going to be Sky Moore? I would say right now I definitely lean towards Moore, but a lot of time to go before that whole thing is settled. Yeah, Rasheed, one of the bigger body wide receivers the Chiefs have now. And I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Sky Moore. I think all of us who cover the Chiefs on a regular basis, and you cover them on a daily basis, um, just, you know, we, we had kind of heart went out to him a little bit last year for the, you know, the, the, the fumble punts, the muff punts, and just the rough time he was having as a rookie. You saw the potential with him, uh, but but he, there, there were mistakes that stunted his growth, I guess, as, as a rookie. And to see the connection that he and Mahomes have now, seem to have now, and we'll better wait to the games to really see it. But um, uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool to pretty cool to see, and hope hopefully that becomes a you know a connection that produces a lot of you know a lot of yards and touchdowns for the Chiefs. I, I think it has the potential to. Yeah, and Valle and I were talking about this too. I mean, this is a small thing and sort of um, a soft factor, if you will, but just remembering Sky from the first time we talked to him last year, like a rookie minicamp, and um, I don't want to say timid, but like just sort of feeling his way around, not really comfortable up there. And then we talked to him last week, and it's just um, both 
both me and Vi like said this to different people uh, before we said it to each other, but just like poised in control. I mean, just a different energy from him. Like he belongs here and he's confident and he's talking to people and look him in the eye and just, um, I just, I sense something different from him. And so uh, again, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see if he can continue that trust with Mahomes. That's the most important thing. Why are Travis Kelsey and Mahomes such a great connection? Because Patrick Mahomes knows when Travis Kelsey sees something, Patrick's going to see it the same way. And that's so important with this particular offense. So Sky Moore still has some growth to go there. Like I said, mandatory minicamp, there was a route he ran wrong. Mahomes is getting after him. Hey, I need you to do this. We talked last year, the San Francisco game, where uh, Sky Moore didn't cut off a route the right angle. It ended up an interception for Patrick Mahomes. And Andy Reid said after the game, hey, that's on Sky Moore. That's not on Patrick Mahomes. You have to have that trust there for Patrick Mahomes to say, I am going to see the game the same way as you are or these bad things are going to happen and it's going to end up on my stat line. So still a work in progress there, but I've seen a different sky more this off season. And again, the last month or so. So could it be a breakout year for him? Again, the signs are good early. It still is early, not in pads yet, but uh, for one of the guys, I would say, you know, one of the top two standouts along with the Prince of this off season, I would put sky more in that category. And uh, I'm interested to see the year he's going to have. Very good. All right, Jesse, uh, we, we can talk Chiefs all day long, and uh, and we will once training camp begins. Uh, but this begins our, probably our longest stretch of uh, podcasts, Sports BKC shows, that uh, will not include the Chiefs. Uh, so it, a matter of weeks, that's how, that's how popular the Chiefs are for us. We're actually going to go a few weeks without talking about the Chiefs. But um, Jesse, always great talking to you about it and uh, have a good downtime and we will catch up again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for putting together the episode and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell for sharing his insights. The Stars Morning Sports Edition is the best digital sports page in America. See what I'm talking about by going to Live Edition. KansasCity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City. Mm-hmm.